How's your day going? <laughs> Bad better. <laughs> I my mom's dog, who I'm dog sitting. I woke me up at six this morning to go to the bathroom, and I locked myself out of the house. And my husband's out of town. My kids are out of town with my parents who have the spare key. Were you in your PJs? Yes. Oh. Oh um, no. And is there a well? Did you have a spare key, like, hidden somewhere? No, I had to wiggle open a window that I left unlocked, thankfully. (laughs) I do not know what I was going to do. Do you call a locksmith if that happens? I didn't have my phone. (gasps) Oh, you had nothing. I had nothing. Uh. Like, when I closed the door, I thought, oh, it would be nice to, like, read the news or have a flashlight. Oh, no, that's awful. (laughs) Yeah. So I, like, did this weird bending to get into a tiny window. Good for you. Yeah. I was so angry. Should be proud I of went yourself. Back to bed. Well, <laughs> you Cirque de Soleil this. No, this is real talent right here. <laughs> I have locked myself out of my home countless times. <laughs> the, well, the first week we lived in it, I locked me, Jordan, and my parents outside because um, we were working in the yard. We had no spare keys at that time because we newly bought this home. So we had to call a locksmith to come change the locks on my brand new house. Um, super great. I was very popular that day. <laughs> and then my husband never locks himself out of the house, but he is responsible for where to hide the key. Mm. Which means every time I lock myself out of the house, which is always a torrentially downpour, a torrential downpour type of day, mm-hmm. I have to go quite literally digging <laughs> to get the key. And I don't understand, this is Thomas Will, can I just hide the key? Like, I'm sure it's fine in a conspicuous location. Listen, you never know. <laughs> Jordan just wants to take all precautions, but I literally lock myself out probably once every season. That's oh, fine. Constant. I get, I get locked out of my, like, well, my I used to get locked out of my van like every month or two, <laughs> and my granny would just like drive and be like, she goes, I'm coming, I'm coming, and she'd like come and she'd like call the police and they would like come and they'd like unlock the car. And she was always like, I'm so sorry. And then my van was always a mess and she go. She goes, my grandson just borrowed my car real quick. That's why it's so Aww. messy. I'm so sorry. And I was like, Granny, like, don't even mention the mess. <laughs> like, oh, I'm embarrassed. Oh, it's honestly, it's a, it's pretty humiliating to lock yeah. yourself out. And no, no phone. That's a tricky situation. <sighs> but you, you overcame it. Mm-hmm. Yes. You, d- you did it. We will overcome. episode 166 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. Before we get started on today's episode, I wanted to let you know about the Thomasville Rose Festival. Coming up in April, Thomasville Rose Festival is a celebration of Thomasville's history and heritage, and it is a weekend full of family-friendly events. And I do mean a full weekend. There is something constantly, whether it is the annual street dance, the car show, the flower show, art in the park, and so much more. Something for everyone in your family. So if you are a listener of From the Front Porch and you live far away, and you've been wondering when the right time is to come to Thomasville, 
you should check out the Thomasville Rose Festival, April 27th through 29th. Um, that's Friday, April 27th through Sunday, April 29th, with a lot of festivities happening on Saturday, April 28th. This would be a great time to visit Thomasville. So you can find more information about the Thomasville Rose Festival on the Thomasville website. That's thomasvillega.com. You can also follow Downtown Thomasville on Facebook or on Instagram at thomasvillega. I'll put links to all of that in the show notes for you. Um, but basically, Thomasville Rose Festival is like when Thomasville becomes even more stars hollow than usual. So you can check out the street dance, the local rose shows and flower shows. It's just a fun time to celebrate our community and our community's history and heritage. So for more information, go to thomasvillega.com and we hope to see you in Thomasville in a few weeks. Hi guys. Hi. It's time for Love It or Loathe It. Yeah, yeah. What volume is this? Like 11? Uh, do I ask that every time? Yep. Yeah. I feel like I do. feel like I should look it up before Listen, I hit record. <laughs> we don't see each other but like once a month or two. So yeah. Like... Yeah. And we get so excited. Yeah. Um, so this month, our book selection is The Power by Naomi Alderman. Um, who wants to give the synopsis of... Should we say who we are? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. We're regulars, so I forget. Yes. Um, go ahead. Oh, I'm Hunter, and I don't enunciate as well as Annie. <laughs> I'm Emily, and you can come see me at Art in the Park. Oh, you're going to be at Rose Festival. Yes. Listen, that's going to be such a fun weekend because it's also Indie Bookstore Day. So, like, yeah. it's the perfect time to visit Tulsa. So, it what is. are you doing at Art in the Park? Do you know yet? Yes, we are. Well, it's your maker. Yeah. And I'm going to be doing bubble printmaking. So oh, we're going to do fun. all different types of printmaking with bubbles. Oh, cute. Okay. <laughs> Very so, so you can follow um, Emily at your maker on Instagram mm -hmm. and on the internet. We'll put links in the show notes. Too. On, the yeah. on the internet. On the web. <laughs> Emily paid for that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> she paid for it by reading this book. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So we read The Power. Yes. Which, do we, why did we... Kate. 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 Mm -hmm. And we, it was between this and something else. The Perfect Nanny, which perfect I'm reading nanny. now. Do you like it? I love it. Okay. Uh-oh. So, okay. <laughs> so we were between the Perfect Nanny and the Power. And I will say the Power was everywhere, especially, yeah. was it last fall? I read yes. that, like, it was mm -hmm. one of Obama's favorite books he read last year. Mm -hmm. It was the winner of the Bailey's Women's Prize for Fiction. So it was everywhere. Huge. And it was one that... I think maybe even Book of the Month Club mm -hmm. featured it. So it is a book that I feel like has been on my radar, but I, for whatever reason, had not picked it up. And I think the reason is it's not my genre. It's not my typical genre. So who wants to tell people what the power is about? Hunter? It's like a feminist dystopia about women who, uh, young girls who, like, develop this power to, like, emit electricity from their hands and... Um, in this future, like just women, just have a lot more power. Like the 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 power dynamic has kind of shifted, um, and it's kind of what ensues from that. Yeah, that's a good synopsis. Okay. I I feel like basically the world turns upside down. Yeah, a little bit. Um, totally. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, yeah, it completely shifts. I liked the premise of this book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's creative, it's inventive, it's, and I will say the book is like nothing I have read before. Mm -mm. Um, I guess kind of Handmaid's Tale, although full disclosure, I never read that book. Um, but I'm thinking in that vein. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, well, I, I read The Handmaid's Tale. I actually 
prefer this show. I know that's like not what you're supposed to say, but I really <laughs> like the show. Um, yeah, it's like it's feminist fiction, but this is the first book I've ever read that was like feminist fiction. If um, like most feminist fiction that takes place in the near future, a lot of it is either like a utopia or it's like men are still in power and women women are like rising above it uh-huh. kind of thing. This is the first time where kind of women are kind of shown sometimes in not the best light. All the time. Yeah, it's it's a complete... It's angry. Yeah, Yeah. it's a complete power shift, meaning the very things that I think make women women and beautiful Mm -hmm. and nurturing, which I think are powerful things, kind of go missing in this novel, or at least are muted Mm -hmm. in this novel. I I think that what I feel is the same thing, but it seems like just a different way of looking at it, is that it takes the nastiest parts of being a man... Yes. And makes and puts it on a woman. That's true. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's a great that's a great point. Because yeah. because the women in this novel with power mm-hmm. look like the grossest versions of men in power. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, which made this book my husband and I frequently, I guess because of our background in church and things like that, we're always talking about women's roles and especially in light of, I don't know, our faith raising um but one thing jordan has said before is he's like oh women are just better than men like he he Mm -hmm. like and i'm saying that i don't know that i fully agree with him but that is his stance he believes that women are more naturally good than men Mm -hmm. uh and this turns that on its head i think showing that power no matter who has it Mm. corrupts you yeah yeah can just utterly destroy you Mm -hmm. um I hesitate how many voices are in this novel because I will say that immediately was very difficult for me. Yes. Yeah. There are about five. Well, there, it, like it starts off with four. There's a girl named Roxy who is, she's the first character and in, in, in the beginning of the story, her mom is like kidnapped or murdered or something murdered. happens. Yeah, murdered. Spoiler alert. It's an illegitimate really. child of a yes. crime boss. And the next one is Allie who... She's British, by the way. Can we get that? Because yeah. it took me a minute. I was right? like, why are we talking like this? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, who are you? The writing was like, very distracting at first and then I finally realized, oh, she is not American. No, <laughs> I literally said at one point, I was like, where do you hail from? <laughs> um, but yeah, that. And then there's Allie who is... Um, she lives in like a foster care thing um, and it's like not the best. With and truly awful foster um, care. Really, really bad. Really not the best. Yeah. Not the best, yeah. Pretty much the worst. Um, and then there's like... Munda, Munda, Tunda, Tunda. Mm, Weirdly, why? Like, this is my problem with this book. Why did I love his character the most? He was the best. Like, no. Like, why? Like, I feel like in a feminist novel, yeah. should it be true that the right. most because his storytelling was the best? Yeah. But you know what? I will say my like. Okay, so oh, and the, the fourth one that's like throughout most of the book is, is Margot, which is the mother of a girl who has the power. I do find her interesting as yeah. well. And then late, but later we get more voices. Yeah, you yeah, get Jocelyn, the, her yeah, daughter. Yeah, you get Jocelyn, her daughter. You get um, Allie's, Allie, who's the one of the, you get one of their brother, no, Roxy's, Roxy's brother. brother. Um, you get just a couple people, and you're just kind of wondering like why people keep on talking. I, I will <laughs> say when I started the book, which. Kate said this book is best read in one or two sittings. Yes. And I think I understand what she means by that because I started it. And look, I don't have 
I don't have as many pockets of time as I would like to do that. Mm-hmm. Because this, she she says it's to read in one or two sittings, but it's a lot of pages. It is. Like, I don't, I feel like it's around 400. In the, it's, it speeds up and slows down. Like, I just felt like someone's slamming on the brakes a lot. While yeah. I was oh, that's a, yeah, that's a mm-hmm. great description. I just read it. And then put it down. Like, I read it before bed, mm-hmm. put it down, then didn't get to pick it up until the next night before bed. And I was like, who is this? Mm. Who, who is talking right now? Yeah. I, the voices totally <laughs> That threw happened me. to me between <laughs> naps while reading this book. Well, oh, yeah, I totally fell asleep while reading I this. fell asleep so I, much. Like, I read the first four, the first, like, four stories, the first parts of the first four stories, and then I, like, put it down, and the next day I went back, and I was like... I was like, who, who, who? Yeah. Because it also jumps ahead a year. Yes, the time changes. Yeah, and I was like, first of all, y'all, y'all want me to remember these people, <laughs> and now you want me to remember them like a year ahead, and I don't even remember them in the first place. Yeah, so I did, so do you think the number of voices detracted or added to? I understand why the voices were there, because it, it, it was, it, she was trying to show, like, this is happening, like, all over the world, yeah. and I rem- and it reminded me a little bit, in some ways, of how Station Eleven really tried to encapsulate how... How it, a, a disaster would affect the whole world. Right, but I think Station Eleven did it a little bit better. A Just did, Yeah, a lot better. <laughs> Sorry. Um, a lot better, yeah. Um, but... And I, I don't, to be honest, it's so funny because a lot of people I read, um, I read a lot of reviews because I had very mixed feelings about this book and a lot of people loved the characters, but I just couldn't connect fully with any of them because I didn't feel like... Tunda was the one I connected with the most. Yeah. I felt like I was very intrigued by Margot's character. Yes. Uh, the, I think she began as the mayor mm-hmm. of her town, her city, and then we kind of watch her move through, uh, gain more and more figurative power. Yes. And... Yeah, I was intrigued by her story. Mm-hmm. I did not feel a huge connection, though, with anyone. Yeah. Um, but they were extremes. Yes. Yeah. Which like, may be why Tunda was the most... There has to be a huge population of women that keep their softer side intact, yeah. even with the power. Yeah. And these women totally abandoned it. Yeah. 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 <sighs> I, <laughs> I don't quite know what... So, the voices were a distraction to me. Well, I think yeah. they... I wish that they had brought them together a little sooner. Brought them together a little sooner. Or what do you think about like, a, like this book being divided into six parts, and instead of the parts being time, mm-hmm. the parts are voices. So like, I yeah. wouldn't have minded. I could not have sat through a whole bunch of Allie slash okay Mother, Mother Eve. Eve. Oh, but let me tell you something. Wait, okay, real quick, like a little detour from like the discussion of this organization of the book or whatever, or like the layout of the book, but. Mother Eve, like Allie, Mother Eve, when I first, okay, so at one point, Allie, she like runs away and she moves into this convent and she basically says like, God is a woman and Jesus was not that, like, it, like Jesus because is Because voices are telling her that. Okay, yeah, voices are telling <laughs> her. She's important. like possibly schizophrenic and like she thinks that like um, Mary is like, I, just basically like Mary's the holy one. I was about to say, I, honestly, I mean, I mean, I think some of this book is based in, truth to me like yeah like it um again i mean i come from a different maybe maybe unique faith background so pretty heavy christianity mm-hmm. but the part about god embodying both or having both fail, male and female characteristics mm-hmm. is scriptural like there's yeah. not, nothing mm-hmm. unusual about that and then mm-hmm. 
then Allie takes the tenets of Catholicism, right, right which is that Mary plays a central role in mm-hmm. salvation and, and, and in that, the tenets of that faith, yeah. but then kind of turns it on its head where the son plays a minor role. Whereas right. in Catholicism, I, I, I am not Catholic, yeah. so I'd like to put disclaimers out there to Catholics listening. <laughs> I don't fully know what I'm talking right. about. Uh, but I believe, my understanding is that the Catholicism, Mother Mary is extremely vital to the mm-hmm. faith but Jesus is still the one who saves. Right. But in this new world mm-hmm. and in this new religion, Mother Mary is the one who saves. Well, yeah? let me, yeah. And let me just say, like, I can totally see why people were buying into this because when I was reading it, I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I get it, I get it. And like, and like Tyler was like, what do you get? Like, I don't understand what you're getting over there. And I was like reading on the couch and I was like, listen, I was like, feminism, it's feminism. And then like, as I was reading it, I was like, um, okay, I was on board, but then you like turned a whole different direction and now it's like a cult and I'm overwhelmed. Yes. I like, no, I totally know what you mean because there were some parts in the beginning where I was like, no, this is true. Like yeah. this should, yeah, which maybe is her point as an author because then you start to see it take it uh, take on a life of its own mm-hmm. and completely transform these people, mostly women, um for the worse. Like yeah. <laughs> like the, mm-hmm. um and Mother Eve in particular is a really fascinating character. I also just got done watching Wild Wild Country on Netflix. Have you heard of this? No. So it is a documentary about a cult out of, I think, Oregon, a small town in Oregon. It's fantastic. It's a six-part documentary on Netflix. Okay. Um, doc, it's real? Yes, real. <laughs> and it was a cult I had never heard of, which is shocking because I do I find cults fascinating. Um, but... Guys, so like while reading this, look, any of you listening who have seen Wild Wild Country, there's a woman on there who plays a central role in the formation of that cult. And I just kept picturing her a little bit, like, because it just feels like, what is that quote about absolute power corrupts absolutely? Like, that's just how this feels. Like, at first, in the convent, I felt like I was on board with some of what was happening. Mm -hmm. And... And then it's like a flip switched, and it was like, oh no, this is too much, too yeah. much. And you can just see how quickly that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's true in real life as well, like how quickly it can change. But I don't think it was like the point was to show how they get there, but it almost felt like she just quickly wanted uh, to have a mirror up to male power. It felt mm-hmm. like I was beaten over the head with a metaphor. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but and it was interesting how the men just wanted to go back to the way it was. Mm-hmm. Because I felt like everything was a mirror except for that. Like women don't say I wanted to go back to the way it was. Mm-hmm. It's like I want to be equal. And then instead of wanting equality, they wanted to have the power back. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a great. Yeah, that's true. They Which wanted that. Is interesting power. though. That idea I that like that. that men may not ever be fully comfortable with women attaining like Which I think could be true. I think that could be true. Yeah, cuz like They've had it for so long right yeah I, um <laughs> I, I love that quote that's like you know when equality feels like oppression oppression oh the, no um it's like something is when, uh, privileges when equality feels like oppression yeah yeah privilege is when equality feels like oppression oh that's a good who said that um a person <laughs> <laughs> impressive that you were able to quote it though yeah. there we go <laughs> very good um i just <laughs> i just i wanted to love this book Mm -hmm. and we're not obviously at our final verdicts but again I did feel at some point probably about halfway through I felt like this book should be over by now Mm. and and why are you beating I understand Mm -hmm. like I I understand the point you're trying to make and I feel like you are it is just metaphor upon metaphor like Mm -hmm. I understand 
Um, and there is some there are some graphic scenes here. There are. And there are oh some scenes we're not used to reading, right? right. Because we've read Difficult Women, we've yeah. read Fire Sermon, but it is interesting to watch this book turn that on its head oh, too. Yeah. Well, that is one thing that was so interesting to me was that I like there were so many points where I was thinking, am I just this chauvinistic that I'm like so uncomfortable or that I'm so not used like cuz um like this is like a tiny bit spoilery but like at one point like women are raping men yeah. and like and torturing them and I've it's kind of known at this point that I read a lot of books where, like, and I don't mean this in a bad, I just, I read a lot of books where women just happen to have been, like, like, like raped or um, sexually abused in some way or another, and it never, like, phases me anymore, because I just read, it happens so often that it, like, I, I want it to not be that way, but it's just a thing you that... You do I'm, read a lot of books I, yeah. with that, so and it so makes sense that yeah, it Yeah, you just kind of, like, you, it's kind of the thing where you, you don't want it to happen, but you're, it's like, well, it keeps happening, like, you're, not, you know, <laughs> but... I was thinking I've never read a book where a man has been raped by a woman before. No. And I was like, I was so uncomfortable that I sat the book down for a minute and I never do that. Yeah. But I sat the book down and I said, I need a minute because this is too much. It was, yeah. So I think that we should talk about what Kate said. She was just here and left about oh, okay. the fact that it makes you uncomfortable and like maybe that's the point. Yeah. And that is it, and it makes me question, you know, because I believe that women should be equal and I'm I would say I'm a feminist and but like seeing it go this far it makes me question like what are my views of of female role in society mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. like if I don't think women should be like this not that I don't I'm not articulating it very well but it makes me really question like my deep-seated views that aren't like when I'm really thinking about it and what I can articulate and yeah. be intellectual about and what is just so deep inside of me how I feel about the role of women don't you think Roxy kind of uh, wait did you finish all the way no offense I'm sorry, I'm sorry I to call you out okay but <laughs> no I need to explain <laughs> <laughs> because there is a scene and look I, I'm full disclosure I sped through and skimmed probably the last 50 pages yeah. but there is this scene at the end where Roxy is it okay? Should I say spoiler alert? Roxy has lost her power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Through a violent act. Yes, I was there. Okay. So, Roxy, though, at one point meets again with Allie slash Mother Eve. Mm-hmm. And Roxy says, I think there's a way we can kind of solve this. Like, right. kind of restore peace or balance to society. And Mother Eve or Allie rejects that solution. Mm-hmm. And Roxy is stunned by that. Yeah. You would rather have, I think she words it somehow, like, you would rather have the apocalypse than than restore, like, than peace. Like, that mm. doesn't make sense to her. And I think what you're expressing, I don't think it, I think feminism obviously is a wide term that can be used to, apply, can be used to a lot of different things, mm-hmm. can be applied to a lot of different viewpoints. But I just wonder, I don't think it's wrong to think that this is extreme and it turns ugly. Like yeah. the last half of the book is ugly. Yeah. Um, and I guess I kind of, Roxy actually was a character I could not stand through much of the book, but mm. I understood where she was coming from in that, wait, there's a way, it doesn't have to be this way. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Roxy does, was my favorite. Does feminism have to be angry like this? Well, no, well, it's so funny because that's the thing, right? It's like, um, 
speaking, this is like a little... And by the way, I think their anger is justified in right. parts. Right. Oh, I can, yeah. It's really funny, though, because I remember one day, I was downtown, I was in downtown Thomasville, and I, like, came across these girls who, they were, like, talking about how, like, they, they weren't shaving their legs anymore, and they weren't shaving under their arms anymore, and they were, like, wearing men's clothing, and they were, you know, and I asked, I, I was like, why, I was like, just, I was curious, I was like, why? Like, what is the, what is the purpose specifically of why you're doing it? What is the motivation behind it? And they were like, well, we're just, like, smashing the the idea of what women should be. And I said, by, I was like, by embracing male, like, like what men do, like, you, like, I was like, I don't, I said, why can't, like, I said, do you not, uh, do you like being like, do you like, like, embracing the masculine side of things? And they were like, they were like, and one of the girls, she's like, well, no, but it's just to prove a point. And I said, but why can't you be a feminist who's also proud of femininity? Like, why, like, not, and I think that if you want, I think that, it, like, there's all types of women. Well, in all types of feminism, mm. right? In all types of feminism, like, yeah. You can, it right. can, it can mm. run the gamut. Yeah. But, and Emily, I have no idea if this is the answer to your question or a response at all to your question, but I do feel like you can be a feminist. Yeah. But still find this to be shocking and angry. Yeah. Well, I'm not saying that I thought that my reaction was wrong. Yeah. It just yeah. made me look at, okay, there's a point where, where I think that some of the things that, people think are bad, you know, as feminists, yes. seems okay when it's this extreme. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that, I don't know, how, I don't know if I'm not being I don't specific like enough. The, the way you mention that the power depicts women at their worst. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think, I think it's supposed to mirror what men are like at their worst. Yeah. And in my, what I would love for the world is that we just not be at our worst. Right. <laughs> like, is one, that possible? One thing I find interesting is that, like, this is a revolution because of power mm -hmm. given. So the fact that, like, men have had this power, mm -hmm. not the power, mm -hmm. the electricity, but just, you know, dominance. Right. Um, because that's just how it's been. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then how quickly women go to the nastiness when it's not like a buildup. Mm -hmm. But that... I just no, it happens quickly. Yeah. Like yeah. In, over so a span fast. of maybe, was it seven years yeah. or ten years? Yeah, ten years, ten I think, years. yeah. And, but it, it, it was hard to buy into because there, you feel like that you would go that quickly to an extreme when mm -hmm. you're when it, there's like a violence before it, but it was just like, oh, surprise, we have this power, let's be nasty. And yeah. I was yeah. like, what? I feel like you wouldn't automatically, like why would you automatically go there? And when I started reading this and I knew the premise of the book, I kept kind of hoping it was like a Wakanda situation. Uh -huh. oh, yeah. <laughs> like they would have this like situation where there wasn't oppression, mm -hmm. you know, and it was beautiful. Cause when I was watching Black Panther, I was like, Oh my, I just thought that was such a powerful thing to mm -hmm. see. Mm -hmm. It made me feel excited and really sad, deeply sad for lots of people that yeah. that's just not a reality. Mm -hmm. to, mm -hmm. And know. I'm concerned, do you think this is our, do you think the power is reality? I'm, no, I don't. I know women who have read this book who were like really in strong agreement with a lot of the things that were depicted. Yeah. Which, Kind of, which the thing is, like, I just don't, I, I can't wrap my head around the idea that we're gonna like squash the idea, of, like, say that femininity is bad, or that, or that like women's, like that women who like being, like who like being mothers, who are who like being homemakers, like I don't like the idea that we're squashing this thing that's bad. Like this to me shows that like, women, cannot, like this to me says like women are happiest when they're in power and like in like in higher power, like in, in like have like a lot of like. 
control over things. And I don't think that's always true. So I would say this book is really, I would love to have an experiment with a control where you can like not have someone reading it in this point of American history. Uh-huh. Because I think that with the overtones of just like, just the corruption and, mm-hmm. and power and the just needing to hold on to it. And yeah. Kind of, and and then the political atmosphere right now, where there's a lot of things happening. Where like five years ago, it would have I would have said that can't happen. Just like I was automatically like, no, this is not reality. But there are things that are happening and ways of thinking that are happening. And I was I wouldn't have believed five years ago. So now I'm kind of scared to say no. That could never happen because, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I guess that's my fear as well. It just seems, and and look, I I think the author intended it to be this way. But yeah. it is it is a very angry and violent reaction to power and that makes me sad Mm -hmm. because the kind of power and leadership that I would love to see doesn't look like this yeah Mm -hmm. um and I I found again from my worldview and we've talked about faith because of um, fire sermon and and I know it comes up a lot in what I read or what I talk about but this was also fascinating to read because of how it also twisted Christianity and scripture yeah. on its head. There were, you know, there's this kind of um, Noah rainbow, like, and it was fascinating to me, like, the churches got rid of their um, stained glass depictions and instead mm-hmm. depicted people like Deborah, which you don't have to leave scripture to find these these pictures right. of women in power, but it was fa- that was fascinating to me, how, like, culture totally shifted. Mm-hmm. And again, in 10 years, it feels so quickly to me. Mm-hmm. But, Emily, you're right by saying, like, there are things happening now that we wouldn't have predicted happening five to ten years right. ago. Um, and that is scary. Mm-hmm. Um, I, did we, did we, cut? there's so much, this is a this long is, book yeah, this to is, talk about. Well, and the thing is, like, I, like, I was honestly so overwhelmed. Like, the, I'm not going to lie. I was, like, sneak reading this at work, too. And those poor people there at work, I was like, I was like, you guys, listen to what's happening. <laughs> and they were like, um... I'm, I'm working. I was like, I know, but yeah. I was like, the world is changing in a scary way. Like, and, and the power, I, my brother called while I was, so that's why I had to skim through the last 50 pages because my brother called me and he was like, what are you doing? I said, I'm reading this book. And basically, I don't want to, I don't want to earn an explicit rating on this podcast, so I will be careful with my language. But what's interesting to me about this book is the power isn't something that utilizes what women naturally have mm-hmm. to me that's mm. powerful. Instead, it's almost pretending the power is a biological element or l- like men's parts that bring right. them power. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like it feels, instead of bringing up the very things that I think make women powerful on their own, mm-hmm. it's pretending, it's imagining what if the mm-hmm. power came from essentially a body part or a, right. a part of you. Because we get these really graphic scenes where, mm-hmm. and we get these heartbreaking scenes where some women don't have the power or mm-hmm. only have half the power and they're right. confused about who they mm-hmm. are couldn't quite tell what she was trying to what metaphor she was trying to teach me there but mm-hmm. but basically you have some women who are outcasts because they don't embody this fully or they don't have this fully and I it's like, that, it felt like a, maybe a exploratory series crashed in a one crushed in a one book like she's yeah. trying to yeah. fit a lot there's in. a lot like I said yeah. I really did feel <laughs> a little bit like okay, you're really pushing this metaphor hard. And then yeah. she kept alluding to, like, oh, maybe in history women had the power, and it mm-hmm. was, right. you know, they, what do you call it, 
read it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was lost or it was, oh, God, uh, yes, but, I understand what you mean. But, okay, yes, I didn't finish the book. I will explain it in my love it or loathe it <laughs> portion. But I kept thinking it was foreshadowing the ending of the book. Mm. Can you yes or no that? Like, do they explain, do the women lose their power? Do they? It what? It wasn't foreshadowed. It doesn't end that cleanly to me. Uh-huh. And in fact, let's talk. So we're going to talk for a couple of minutes about the ending. Yeah. This book to me isn't necessarily one that can really be spoiled. Kate might disagree. Yes, um, because she wouldn't tell me the ending. <laughs> and she was pretty mad at me for not finishing it. Well, I wanna, I'm sorry, Kate. I want to talk about not even the ending itself, but the format of the book which, because the book was so long, I had totally forgotten about. The letters? Yes. Um, which is that this book is, like, literally a book within a book. Like, yeah. being read by an editor to look back, I guess, on this period of history. Mm-hmm. To me, that detracted that detracted from everything to me. Did you read all of them? I skimmed them. I didn't even skim. After the first two letters at the end, I was like, you know what? We do not need this. No. We already understand, like, what's happening here. Um... I don't think we get the resolution you're referring to. Mm-hmm. It kind of just, and again, I skimmed the last little bit, but it felt like there are some things that happen, the revolution continues and mm-hmm. kind of reaches a breaking point, but we don't quite know the fallout right. from that. I don't think, Hunter. No, you I, don't know. Like, yeah. which, which, granted, let me just say that I read the book and I like, and I focused really hard because I was like having a hard time like staying in it and I it's I don't remember half of it like it just went out the window (laughs) and I hate that because I want to like this book but also I I'm really nervous about people who are already kind of like on the on the fence about feminism reading this and then being like oh this is what feminism is see this is is what would happen yeah Yeah. like it's scary to think because I know plenty of people who would think that yeah I don't know I mean I went to a super liberal women's college and I don't feel like many of the people I know would read this and feel like, yeah, this is what I want. No, but, but like... I think that for me, a lot of it kind of went out the window, as you said, because it just, there's not enough grounded in reality. I've mm-hmm. read a lot of post-apocalyptic books, but there are so many elements that kind of keep it familiar so that you can accept the weird parts, I feel. Mm-hmm. And this just felt out of nowhere. I appreciated it, but there weren't, there wasn't an there wasn't an explanation of maybe why it would happen so quickly or when in time this would happen, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it just, I couldn't tell if like, hey, could this happen, does she think this could happen tomorrow? Or was there something leading up to this? Which, I, go ahead. It's just really funny because I read, I read a lot of reviews on this and everyone loved it. Okay. And. Yeah, it got massive. Yeah. Craze. And one person said, they were like, it takes place like a couple thousand years in the future, which I didn't see at all. And then somebody else was like, you know, this is in the near future. And I was like. Uh, because I think, I think that's purposefully kept vague. Yeah. I will say, I do not read a ton of science fiction mm-hmm. or speculative fiction. So this genre was, or this book was totally not what I typically mm-hmm. read. So, I will say, I thought the world building was pretty great. Meaning, one thing I thought added to the book were these images sprinkled throughout Mm -hmm. that were supposed to be historical images or artifacts that had been uncovered over the years. I thought that was interesting. Um, To me, like I said, the letters that opened the book and closed the book ruined the world for me. I felt like I I was pretty in it. Um, 
So I thought the world building was pretty good, but... But then she's like, Facebook, Twitter. Well, <laughs> like, which I think is supposed to ground it in like a, a somewhat near future. I was about to say, I wouldn't say 2,000 years from now. Yeah. No. I would say this is right. supposed to be tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, Whitney finds out that she has the power. But where's all these, are these Surprise. artifacts? I don't know. It's just very, mm-hmm. and then they never, they sometimes talk about where they are geographically. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, like you said, I don't know if you said it on the podcast or before, but the Roxy is in, you know, Britain. Yes. Yeah. And you're like, um. And then there's a lot happening in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Is that right? And yes. Nepal. And Nepal. And, um, well, I wonder if the book is supposed to be near future, but the writers of the book and the letters are supposed to be looking back. Right. So, like, the Oh. You see what I mean? So, like, the book is written looking back on this period of 10 years. Right. Like, 2020 to 2030. Yeah. And so, that would make more sense to me. Yeah. Um, but it's not clear enough. But it's like, not But it's not clear. I mean, maybe the letters are supposed to help it be clear, but the letters, were, I just saw were waste you know, of time. You know, here's what I think. I don't know if it's necessarily the world building that I didn't buy into. I just... I will... Like, full disclosure, I read a short story by Alice Munro um, before I read the book. Mm-hmm. And Alice Munro is really great about, like, she'll, pu- like, build an entire human being in 30 pages and make you miss them for a lifetime. <laughs> and with this, after I read the first, like, couple of chapters, I was like, I was like, girl, I was like, these people, they ain't real. <laughs> and I was kind of frustrated just because I felt, you know, um, Karen Russell always talks about in her writing how she has to... Um, if you're going to build an Oz, you have to have a Kansas along with it, and you have to make sure your Kansas uh, is yeah. just as clear-sighted as the Oz is. And I, I, it is, and I think that you know this—that's the one thing about this—is that like it is so extreme that it was kind of hard to like it, to feel grounded in it. Yeah, mm. yeah. Okay, so Hunter, love it or loathe it. Ugh. Oh gosh, I feel like I have. I did not love it. Um, I didn't hate it, but I had very strong feelings about it. I didn't love it, though. Um, and I feel bad for saying that because, like, Obama liked it. And, like, so many <laughs> other people did. And I'm like... We don't have to like everything Obama likes, even though he's wonderful. I know, but, like, everyone liked it. Like, everyone liked it. And I feel, like, ashamed that I... Do you think they liked it because of the current time? Yes. Yes, because I think if, like, if it had been, like, five or six years ago, people wouldn't have felt, like, as, like... they would. No, I don't even think this would have been written... I'd be curious to know when this author wrote this book. Yeah. I think it's a response. Yeah. And I agree I th- with that. And I a th- warning. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Emily, love it or loathe it. Wait, so Hunter, what is your final, what is your verdict? Oh. <laughs> I was trying to be ambiguous. <laughs> um, like. He's making a lot of facial expressions. I, yeah. Oh, sorry guys. You can't see, but I am literally, <laughs> this is a, I'm in a way. Um, in a way. Yeah. <laughs> that like, was very southernism. Yeah, I think you loathe it. I just think you're too nice. You're too about scared it. to say it. I just oh I yeah, you know what? I'm gonna go to loathe on this one just because I didn't yeah. Okay. Okay. I think it's hard to say loathe because there are some things in here that you that are empowering in a way yeah. and you don't wanna loathe it. Well and how about loathe it but read it for a book club? Because this conversation helped yeah. me like it a lot more than I did. Yes. <laughs> like so I do not feel that way. Okay. I have pretty much the same feelings. I haven't, I didn't finish it because, um, I thought, okay, I can, I can speed read through this book, but I didn't account for like, 
how boring some parts were. And I couldn't force myself to read quickly. And the exciting parts, I was like, yeah. And I expected it to be exciting because Kate was like, you have to read this book. And I'm so excited. And every time I came into the bookshelf, she was like, so what do you think? And I was like, I haven't read it yet. Um, and I feel really bad disappointing her. But I think that this book is a really good concept. Mm -hmm. Just not carried out well. Mm -hmm. And, I, and I've read books like that in the past where, like, you want it to be good because the idea is so good. Yeah. But I just didn't enjoy where she went with it. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, I feel like it's kind of a dangerous book. So yeah. I loathe it. Um, okay. I loathed it. And I loathed it because I think Exit West did something really powerful with a similar type of concept where it was telling a truth about immigration and what home looks like and and the dif and the diversity that makes our world special mm -hmm. um, and it was to me the power of exit west was that it was short succinct purposeful the power felt like and look, I couldn't write anything close to this, right. okay? Yeah. So I just want to put all of that, those disclaimers out there. This felt like it needed an editor. Mm -hmm. It kind of felt like the arcs of power that they can't control. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like, yeah. oh, idea, idea, yeah. you know? And again, I keep saying this, and, I'm, and I don't mean to push this point, but it felt like I was being beaten over the head with this concept. Yeah. Like, I'm with you, Emily. Like, super interesting concept. Mm -hmm. But it felt like this was written in response to something and which is fine. We yeah. are, you are we are supposed to create art um, in response to mm -hmm. things, but it felt like this needed a little bit more time Finessing. or something. Finessing, yeah. yeah. Love the concept. Would love if my book club read it because mm -hmm. again, this conversation that we I think the conversations coming out of this book yeah. are probably important and necessary and interesting. Mm -hmm. um, do you think this would shut people down who are already not that into the idea of feminism? I think that's what Hunter said. Yeah. I think he I'm said sorry. that. Yeah. I, sorry. I think that's what he said was he's concerned that a, somebody who's already kind of anti-feminist yeah. would think this is the problem. Yeah. yeah. This book sorry. is the problem. Well, and, and I think that, but I think that's with a lot, and that's what I was saying. That's what the point I was trying to make. Like, not that I think that women who um, embrace like. Masculinity. Masculinity are bad. I think that's a great thing if that's what you want to do. But I think that doing it for the sake of doing it can be kind of harmful. But I think that it, trying to be a dominant person over a bunch of other people, like that, no one like, no one wants you to be dominant. Like, and showing that all women who are like showing that all women who have power are dominant and crazy. Or there's a way to make... be dominant without violence. Like, yes. I, like I, I, I don't know. You know, I think about in a workplace, mm -hmm. somebody has to be in charge. Yeah. I'm not advocating we live in a world where no one's in charge. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just saying when someone's in charge, what kind of power do you want them to showcase? Like, right. to me, this power is violent and mm -hmm. oppressive. And, well, and I would love to see, which, again, I think is the point. Right. Um, I think the point is women are being oppressed now. Mm-hmm. And here's what would happen if men were oppressed. Yeah. So I had a, I worked for this woman who was a really successful architect. And um, 
you know, architects are, it's a man's world. Mm -hmm. So it's unique. She's a unicorn kind of, you know, and it was interesting because I was fresh out of Smith and I thought, oh, woman in power, this is great. But she was really difficult to work with. She was irrational and mean and, you know, just not, she wasn't supportive of other women. She wasn't nice to anyone. And I often thought like, do you, if you want to be a woman that succeeds in a world that's mostly men, do you have to be hard and cold and mm-hmm. do you have to be kind of nasty? But <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, is that how you have the first have to succeed? Well, and I think I think that's what this book that's the conversation this book elicits, mm-hmm. and it's the kind of it's the kind of questions we're currently asking. I think it's the questions women in power. I think that's the question women in power ask all the time. Yeah. Like, do you have to? change does the world have to turn upside down to women have their voice for women to have their voice um can women succeed as women are naturally Mm -hmm. in a world that was built by the way men succeed Mm. well i will say like although i'm discussing this book now after i read it i wanted to be the person who was like sitting in a crowd and realizing that my voice was not as like i wanted to like listen to other women talk about this book more than, mm-hmm. like, discuss it myself. Or, like, just in general. Like, this voice made me realize that my voice may not always need to be heard. Mm. You know what I mean? As a man, like, my voice does not always need to be, like... Like, imp- like I don't need to always put my input into everything. Yeah. And that was, like, the one thing that I really liked taking away from this was that, like, you know, women are doing... Like, women can, like, hand... I'm, which I've always known that. Like, I've always grown up around powerful women. But this book really put, like... Really pushed it down my throat that said, hey... Don't need you. <laughs> really, I, like, I think difficult women felt more that way for me. That too, too. But because that felt was, real. This feels yeah. But this is like this is like the absurdest version of that. Yeah. But I will just say one last thing about though that idea of like power, the way that they talk about how um, went like in the beginning of the religious cult thing. Whenever she's talking about how Mary guided. Um, Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, that part was beautiful to me. And I thought, yeah, like, you know, this is what women are like. It, it's so funny because it's what we th- always think about. Like, p- men always mock women and say, like, oh, they're too sensitive, they're too this, they're too that, and they can't handle these big, hard things to do. Um, but the point was, was that, like, no, that's how we're going to handle it. It's by, it's like, it's by using our, like, by using sometimes the sensitivity that you can't seem to muster because of your, like, fragile masculinity. But like, we're, we're going we're gonna to be like, um, we're going to be powerful without compromising. I think that's things. why my favorite part of the book was them living in the convent at first. Yeah, um, because too. the way the women figured out the levels of their power together and kind of fought each other yeah. and kind of tested boundaries on one another, um, I thought that was fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, and I, you know, we haven't even talked about. Yes, this is a global book, meaning it, it runs the gamut in terms of where these characters are from. But we don't get a lot of perspective on race in this. Yeah, book at I all. thought about that a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. like we don't reading it. we don't read about how different women. The only aspect we get is if a woman doesn't have power or right. or isn't or can't find her power. Mm-hmm. I keep pointing. I assume, maybe that's I assume like this is where it maybe is. Maybe that's a commentary on like white feminism. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, no, I think like, it's an, a mistake. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, well, I mean, at least in you know in the Handmaid's Tale, they address why most of the handmaids are like white because like it's saying that like it, it's segregated on top right. of like and um 
and I think the show handles it a little bit differently in, in a way that works better for and the look, show. And look, not every book has to tackle every issue, right. but but to me... This would have been a very appropriate place. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. So I felt like there were a lot of problems with this book. I say loathe because we're pretty strict on there's no real in-between here. Right. If, I, if it boiled down to it, I would say liked it, kind of. I wouldn't recommend this to anyone, not because, not because I don't think it's a, like, not because it's poorly written or something. Right. I just, it's just, it falls flat for me. And it, and I'm not going to lie, it was hard for me to read. Yeah. I mean, I was literally reading until we hit record. Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> like, I was, was like, to reading until the last possible minute I could be late and it not be rude. But, yeah. I mean, in Hunter, you... The reviews were raves. Yeah. And and Kate, who... I mean, now Kate reads a wider genre of books than I do, for sure. Um, but she, I think, really enjoyed this. Well, I think she would not say she enjoyed this book. Because she told me, she said, I think this is going to be a hard one to say love it or loathe it to. Yeah. Because it's just... It put it pushes your buttons, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. Um, okay, so we would be really curious to know what you guys think. Have you read The Power? Um, will you read it now? Are you curious? Are you intrigued? Um, so let us know. And you can do that either through the bookshelf on Instagram at Bookshelf Teville, or you can do it, um, you can email me at Annie at Bookshelf You know who else might like to hear from you? Kate. And her yes. email address is contact us at Bookshelf <laughs> Thank you guys. Thank you. Thanks. We're at the bottom of the barrel again Started out strong but now we're coming up thin Oh we have cast our lots with all the devils of sin Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God From the Front Porch is a production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. It's produced by Annie Jones and Chris Jensen, and edited by me, Chris Jensen. If you're interested in purchasing any of the books we talked about this episode, specifically The Power by Naomi Alderman, you can do so at bookshelfthomasville.com shop. Thank you so much to Forlorn Strangers for the use of our theme music. It's called Bottom of the Barrel from their album, Forlorn Strangers. Learn more at forlornstrangers.com. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch on Patreon and gain access to exclusive bonus content, you can check us out on patreon.com slash fromthefrontporch. And you can also check out our podcast website at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com for web-only content and a full back catalog of our show with detailed show notes and links to further reading. This week in the bookshelf, I'm sure a funny thing happened, but I don't know what it was because I wasn't there. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week.